Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and this month's In the News case is out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Forty-two-year-old Nathan Millard was a hard worker and a great father. He and his wife Amber had a blended family from previous relationships. Amber brought along two teenage girls, Nathan brought with him two teenage boys, and together they had one seven-year-old daughter. Nathan worked as a pretty successful contractor, which is why on February 22nd of this year, 2023, for anybody listening after, He flew from his home in Georgia to Baton Rouge. His business partner was also going to be flying in from out of state, and they were going to look at a potential property together. After landing, Nathan and his business partner checked into their hotel rooms and were able to score some LSU college basketball tickets, so they left the hotel and headed out for an evening of fun before all the business stuff started the next day. According to Eleven Alive's Christy Diaz, this trip was only supposed to be a quick 24-hour thing before they both headed back home, so they were making most of the time that they did have there. At around 7.30 p.m., while the two were at the LSU game, WSB-TV reports that Nathan FaceTimed with his wife. Nothing seemed off, and for all intents and purposes, nothing was. At least not yet. Following the basketball game, the reporting gets a little hairy. Honestly, it's been kind of a mess with this case, but I've done my best to piece together the most probable timeline from each source I could find. Some reports, and very few of them, say that he went somewhere after the game for a brief period of time, but most reports say that he and his partner called a lift and headed to Happy's Irish Pub, which is just a block away from the hotel he was staying at. And this detail seems pretty verifiable considering the data collected in a lift driver system. According to WAFB, Happy's didn't serve any alcohol to Nathan because he already appeared to be drunk. All he drank was water until around 11.30 p.m. when he told his partner that he was going to head back to the hotel. But Nathan never made it back. Nathan is the kind of husband who's always checking in on his wife and kids, but according to the outlet, she woke up on February 23rd with no calls or texts from her husband, which was definitely strange. While she was starting to get worried at home, so was his business partner out in Baton Rouge. Nathan was supposed to meet him at a property site at 8 a.m., but he was a no-show. After an hour of waiting, his partner asked the hotel manager to check on Nathan's room, only to find that the bed was in pristine condition. He had never slept in it. With that, Nathan was officially reported missing. Now, different media reports are saying different things regarding how Nathan's phone was found or who actually found it, but the bottom line is that it was found at a job site at the corner of Florida and North 7th Street, about a third of a mile from the bar heading east away from the hotel. A lot of people wondered if that was the same job site he'd been scheduled to meet at earlier that morning, but according to locals, it wasn't much of a job site at all. They were just repairing the concrete sidewalk. The news of Nathan's disappearance didn't hit the media for a few days, but when it finally did, there was a development in the case. It turns out that after he left the bar, someone used his debit card multiple times at different ATMs. Initially, it was reported that someone of another race had used it, which begged the question, how would they know his PIN? But later reports state that it was actually Nathan that visited those ATMs. It's unclear how there was a mix-up with that, but I've heard something about timestamps being off when it comes to cameras. But I mean, it's also his account. So 
Who knows? But nonetheless, it was Nathan using his debit card throughout the night. Tim Miller of Texas Equisearch, who came out to assist the Baton Rouge Police Department at Nathan's wife's request, said that Nathan made a few small withdrawals, never a huge sum of money, and at other times, he just used the ATM to check his balance, which seems odd because you can do that with your phone. However, Nathan lost his phone, and apparently that happened prior to his last sighting. According to Fox 18, at around 2.30 a.m., Nathan asked a security guard at a Greyhound bus station for directions back to his hotel. That bus station was less than a mile from the hotel, about a 15-minute walk, and was less than half a mile from where his cell phone had been found. The security guard offered to plug in the hotel's address into Nathan's phone, but Nathan said he had lost it. The guard offered to help him get a ride back, but Nathan declined and left. The security guard told police that Nathan didn't seem to be in any kind of distress. The Greyhound bus station wound up playing a big role in Nathan's case. Not only was there a witness interaction with him three hours after he'd left the bar, but it's also where they found Nathan's money clip. It was a little metal thing that holds cards and cash, which you've probably seen advertised a million times on social media. What's interesting is that Nathan's American Express card was still in there, but his debit card and ID were not. Pretty weird considering you generally use a PIN for a debit card, but wouldn't need to for an Amex card. And what would anyone but Nathan do with his ID? Over the following weeks, the search for Nathan was on. You had the legendary Texas EquiSearch on hand and even the United Cajun Navy, which specializes in searching for survivors of natural disasters, but if they found anything, it wasn't released to the public. It wasn't until after those searches that Texas EquiSearch's Tim Miller sat down with an interview with local investigative reporter Unfiltered with Kieran, who seemed to be one step ahead of the mainstream media throughout this whole case. Tim Miller openly wondered what happened in the three hours between when Nathan left the bar at 11.30 p.m. and wound up at the bus station less than half a mile down the road. He added that there was another three-hour gap between 2.30 a.m. and when his debit card was last used at 5.30 a.m. However, no one seems to know whether or not it was Nathan who made that last transaction. Based on the fact that mainstream media is reporting that the last sighting of Nathan was at 4.30 a.m. and his wife told Unfiltered with Kieran that one of the ATMs didn't have a camera, I can only assume that the non-camera having ATM was probably the one used at 5.30, but don't quote me on that. When it comes to the last sighting of Nathan, it's hard to pinpoint where exactly that happened, just that police say it was at 4.30 a.m. That being said, WBRZ did get access to some surveillance footage that caught Nathan walking along Florida Street that night, the same street that the bus station is on. The most surprising part of that video was that Nathan wasn't alone. He was walking with someone who, based on their clothing, looks like a man, and the man seems to stumble off the sidewalk at one point. Nathan was on a business trip in a whole other state, and while his business partner was back at the hotel, Nathan was walking down the street in the middle of the night with some man in Baton Rouge. 
None of this was making any sense, and Nathan's family was getting more and more concerned by the second. Nathan's wife told WAFB that she goes from not accepting reality one moment to gut-wrenching sick to her stomach. She says their seven-year-old daughter doesn't really understand what's going on, just that her daddy is lost. Tim Miller told Unfiltered with Kieran that things weren't looking good, and he was right. In the early morning hours of March 6th, a man traveling down Scenic Highway about three miles east of the bus station smelled something really bad. The Sun reports that for whatever reason, the man decided to follow the smell, which led him around the back of an abandoned funeral home and into an old cinder block garage beside it. It's in that cinder block garage that he found a roll of carpet with feet sticking out of it. The man called the police and wrapped in carpet and plastic, they found the body of missing Nathan Millard. He was not in good shape. The weather had bounced around with the highs in the 80s since he'd gone missing, and it was, it was a rough scene. Tim Miller told Eleven Alive that they were sending some of the reward money to the man who'd found Nathan's body, saying God put him there in the right place at the right time. The area where Nathan was found was old and abandoned and not anywhere you'd expect someone to be unless they were familiar with the area, especially that cinder block garage. Nathan's cause of death wasn't immediately apparent and his autopsy didn't provide any answers either. There was no sign of any external or internal trauma. An initial report stated that his death was not being investigated as a homicide. That seems mind-blowing considering the fact that he was found wrapped in carpet and plastic, but according to WAFB, Nathan's family was told that he likely died of an accidental overdose, which felt like it came out of left field and could only be confirmed by toxicology, which as far as I can find has not come back yet. However, Tim Miller did mention to Unfiltered with Kieran that Nathan had been sober for a long time. That being said, his comments seemed to be geared towards alcohol. And we do know that he was only served water at the pub that night because he reportedly seemed drunk by the time he got there. The day after Nathan's body was found, Baton Rouge police made the statement that there doesn't appear to be any foul play at this point, which, as you can imagine, threw damn near everyone into a whole tailspin. I might need an extra copy of the foul play handbook, but it seems to me like Nathan probably didn't wrap himself up into a carpet. And if he did, which is an absolutely ridiculous if, he certainly didn't also wrap himself in plastic. Whichever way you slice it, Nathan only had two hands. The place certainly seems foul, but the department tried to clarify the statement by saying that there was no sign that the way he died was due to foul play. As to how his body was found, WAFB quoted police as saying, It does appear that he was left there, that that's most likely not where he died. I don't want to go into details on our investigative efforts, but efforts are underway to locate and talk to whoever may have put him there. During a press conference the next day, a reporter asked a captain in the department if he believed drugs were involved, and he responded that he didn't want to comment on that for the benefit of the family. A reporter then asked why some of the carpet had been left behind, which blew my mind. I understand that investigators determine what evidence needs to be collected and what doesn't, and the captain did say that they took the necessary parts of the rug, but leaving any behind knowing there was a body in it for an extended period of time seems really icky and also like crime scene litter. It's not like anyone's going to clean up the cinder block garage of the abandoned funeral home, but at this point, maybe I'm just going off on a tangent. 
The latest update in this case came on March 10th when Baton Rouge police announced that they were searching for a 45-year-old man named Derek Perkins. He was not named a suspect or person of interest, but he is wanted for questioning regarding Nathan's investigation. According to WBRZ, Nathan is currently wanted on three counts of access device fraud, which I had to look up, and it looks like it's a type of identity fraud where the information is used for economic gain. He's also wanted for unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, criminal damage to property, and violation of his parole. WAFB quoted a Baton Rouge sergeant as saying, there's an individual that we're looking for. We would like to have conversations with that individual. So we're going to ask the public to assist us in finding this person who we know has particular information surrounding that case. After recording this episode, I had to record this bit because news broke that Derek Perkins had been located and taken into custody. According to WBRZ, an arrest warrant shows that the Camry he had been driving had been reported stolen on February 3rd. The warrant also states that Perkins was caught on surveillance video using Nathan's debit card two times in the days surrounding his disappearance. So it wasn't just Nathan who had used it. And as it turns out, he lives less than a mile away from Scenic Highway. If you have any information about the death of Nathan Millard, please contact the Baton Rouge Police Department at 225-389-2000 or Crime Stoppers at 225-344-7867. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Nathan's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. And on Thursdays, we go live on TikTok and talk about this week's episode and all other true crime on your mind. Follow me at TikTok at the Heather Ashley and tap on the bell icon so you'll be notified when we go live. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It absolutely makes my day. And if you have a case you want to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Since we're at the end of this episode, I wanted to share a review I got recently that made my entire day. It is from Jackie from Cleveland and is titled Big Mad. She says, I cannot tell you how much respect I have for Heather as a human. She does her research and she shares her research openly. She's a champion for true crime podcasts because she recognizes that the goal is to help and educate. If you have an If I Go Missing folder, Heather is the kind of person you want to tell where it is. And by the way, Jackie, if you have an If I Go Missing folder, I will absolutely take it for you. I love you. I adore you. You made my day. Thank you so much for taking time in your day to do something kind for me. I love you and I'll talk to you guys later.